Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 227. Tonight, Matt and Doug have Rick, a.k.a. Elliot, on the show. Rick is a recording artist out of the San Bernardino area of Southern California. He creates in the style of progressive, minimal, melodic techno. Rick tells us about his musical influences, equipment, and recording process. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rick. Hey, hey Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> hey, there you are. Matt? Yes, sir. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Check my level, baby. Check it. <laughs> How is everybody doing? Excellent. Yeah. It rained for once up here in the mountains where I live. It hasn't rained uh, the whole time we've been here since August of last year. But we did get 90, more than 90 inches of snow. Oh, wow. Where are you again? So you're in the San Bernardino Mountains, right? Correct. Correct. Southern California? Yep. 90 inches of snow in the mountains, uh, you're above 3,000 feet. Yes, we're above 6,000 feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we didn't expect this because I, I lived up here before, and we, it only snowed once when I lived here. Now it's, now it's like crazy. <laughs> Wild. So for our listeners, I'd like to introduce Rick, a.k.a. Elliot, E-L-Y-O-T, and... Rick is on with us tonight to talk about the music that he makes and how he goes about making it and stuff. And so anyway, we're really happy to have you, Rick. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, I, I feel like I've known you for a while on Twitter, but A, I never knew your name was Rick. And B, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that I'd never actually listened to any of your music before. And uh, it's cool. I like it a lot. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad you think so. And it's not anything like I expected from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what our oldest son says. He says, I can't believe you make techno or something close to it anyway. Yeah, I, some, for some reason, I expected it to be louder and angrier, and it's really chill. <laughs> that's what I try to do. It's, it's more my attitude, you know, than anything else. Yeah. It's, that's great. You know, it's your thing. It's, it's your music. It's your creation. And it's, it's you. <laughs> it it definitely is, but uh, it's synthesized from things that I've listened to throughout my life and like um, the Beatles, of course. Everyone listened to the Beatles, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, all that, plus the other things that I like um, when I work out or when I drive, things that make me feel calm and secure, and I like to try to emulate that, you know, tw towards other people to make them, to try to make them feel like I feel. I love that. Yeah. And you're kind of talking about some influence and stuff like that there. I read that Magnus Biggerson of Solar Fields is kind of your, your primary, the artist who got you interested in electronic music in the first place. That's correct. Um <clears throat> Well, in the first place, it was really Mannheim Steamroller because uh, yeah. in the 70s, they, uh, they started experimenting with Moog uh, synthesizers, and they would mash it up with Renaissance-type instruments, 
And it, it's pretty neat because they would go back and forth between, they would play the same thing first on the um, uh, chamber music, and then they would play it with the synthesizers. And I'm like, wow, I, I'll never be able to do that. And I was like in my early 20s back then. I, I, w- I could never even think of buying a synthesizer, you know, <laughs> back then. So um, I just enjoy listening to it. And, and, you know, who doesn't like classical music? I mean, that's the, that's the foundation of everything, I think, that we've listened to throughout our lives. The Beatles also, you know, incorporated that in their music. Um, George, what's his name? Uh, their, their manager, producer. Oh, I was going to go Harrison, but I was going to say Harrison too. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I forgot his name, but he was the one who, who injected the, uh, the symphonic music into the Beatles. If George Martin, listened, yeah, he was, he was the fifth Beatle basically. Right. Exactly. So my point is, uh, that's what got me interested in it, but I never thought of making it myself until I started listening to Magnus and solar fields. And I would do my runs, you know, with the army to condition myself at least, you know, three or four times a week. And that's all I listened to. So the euphoria of the run plus listening to the music really made an impact on me. And, uh, I never thought to make it myself until my wife bought me the master class for Denmouth. Nice. And I'm like, wow, you know what? I can do this. This isn't, this isn't that hard. It's just the same thing, but using a different instrument. So uh, my, my wife bought me my first Moog, and I've been collecting tons of them ever since then and making the music that you've heard, you know, with the synthesizers and guitars. Well, that's awesome. I, I love Masterclass. Yeah. I've seen a bunch, but I have not watched the Dead Mouse one only because I think because I saw the commercial so many times when I tuned into YouTube that I was like, I can't. <laughs> well, but I'll bet it's a good, I'll bet it's good. Have you ever heard uh, his one track, Imaginary Friends? Probably. I believe I have. Yeah. If you really listen to it, but don't turn it up because he, I guess he was experimenting with, uh, volume automation or something oh okay because if you turn it up where you can hear it at the beginning it'll get super loud so (laughs) i think he was trying something he never did before but it really made my wife mad because i turned it up and it was super loud he goes how can you listen to it this loud and you're like what (laughs) i know you've uh yeah like on on twitter and some of our discussions and in uh, you know, talking before the show here, your wife is really a big supporter of what you do and, and your music and has kind of always had your back in that sense, hasn't she? She, she has. And, and it strikes me funny because she doesn't like the genre mm. at all. <laughs> so, I, I understand that. <laughs> she's, my, <laughs> she's my patron, but she loves country music and, you know, I have, I think I made one rockabilly type song that's on my SoundCloud. And um, I forgot what it's called. It's, it has a train in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's see if I can find it real quick for myself. Yeah, I was on, I was on your SoundCloud earlier. It's not, um, it's not the rat trap one. 
Let's see. Actually, you got a lot of tracks on there. I do, and it's, it would be hard hard to pick out the one. <laughs> it's uh, Rattlesnake Rat Trap. That's one of them. Oh, okay. And that was uh, homage to uh, Civil War era type music. And uh, let's see, it was about eleven years ago I made that. But the one that's Rockabilly, oh Diamondback Rat Trap, and let's see. I'm trying to find them. Sorry, but it, it it's terrible when you can't remember your own music. <laughs> yeah, no. Now I you're um, too. Uh, for our listeners. Um, Mad Balls Scotsman is your moniker on SoundCloud and other social areas. Yes. So, for those looking to uh, check out Rick's music on SoundCloud. Do a search for Madball Scotman. I'm fairly certain there's only one. I'm sure there's only one. Well, <laughs> there is. You never know with the Scots. <laughs> are you, in fact, bald? Yes, I am. And are uh, you, in fact, a Scotsman? Yep. I keep <laughs> keep my hair shaved. I, I can actually grow hair, but I just like it shaved. Uh, it's just easier to take care of. Sure. I can drive Have you been to Scotland? Road. Huh? Have you been to Scotland? No, I'm only Scottish by blood, but uh, my family goes way back. As a matter of fact, in the tapestries, when William the Conqueror invaded England in the year 1066, um, they claim that an Elliot Knight actually killed King Harold with an arrow wow. right through the eye. And supposedly, I have not seen this myself, because... Uh, the Irish and the Scots tend to elaborate on the truth every now and then. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> the uh, the arrow is encased in some resin next to the chalice of Christ somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so anyway, we were given a motto and uh, our clan was prominent in Scotland for a long time until after William the Wallace, where uh, we, that one of the Elliots, his name was Jacques, he almost mortally wounded Queen Mary's future third ex-husband or something like that, <laughs> the Earl of Bothwell. And he, he was supposed to be executed for cattle rustling. And when he found out the queen wasn't going to give him grace, he attacked uh, James Hepburn, who was the Earl of Bothwell, and stabbed him. But he was immediately killed. So she kicked the Elliots out of Scotland um, and gave us our extra T. That's why you see some with two L's, one T, two L's, two T's. And the two T's with the two L's are the uh, the clan that got kicked out, supposedly. <laughs> well, that's a lot of uh, that's it a is. lot of history for somebody who hasn't been there. I <laughs> it's I've been there a couple of times. I, I I love Scotland and I challenge you to put that on your bucket list. I definitely will, uh, but I want to take my wife to Sicily, where her family's from, oh, before nice. I go to Scotland. Fair enough. Yep. And I also want to mention that you're retired from the military. Well, you're retired, and but you're retired from the military as well, um, and also with combat deployments. Correct. So you're a veteran, and you run a marathon every week. Do you still run a, a marathon every week? No, uh, I slowed down. I, I retired from the military three years ago after 33 years. And I haven't really ran since. 
but um i do can't blame you i know i hate running <laughs> i <laughs> used a lot of myself you know but uh, i still work out with kettlebells i have two certifications uh with kettlebells um the russian kettlebell challenge which is rkc and another group called uh, strong first ran by the person who started the rkc uh pavel Sansoli. he was on uh joe rogan uh not too long ago he did a really long interview but he was a, a master of sports for the spetsnaz soldiers when the soviet union was still up so uh, he knows what he's doing nice well you know i love kettlebells we've had chats about that before that's true i remember but I'm getting back into that, uh, I'm, and I'm eventually going to start running again, but I'm not a big fan of cardio. I'm more of a fan <laughs> of strength. At 6,000 feet. Right. I'm the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cardio is <laughs> different up, up there. Up there. It is much different. Um, Five-minute runs. I used to yeah. run up here and then run down in the valley for my PT test for the Army and run consistent seven-minute miles. Oh, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I conditioned myself down in the valley. I would I would be running eight, nine minute miles. Wild. Let's talk a little bit about your process, because uh, it's it's different than most people. I know you are using analog synthesizers for the most part. Tell us a little bit about those right. and how you do that. Well, um, I I did use soft software for a long time. So I got used to um, using MIDI, but I like to perform. And a lot of the ways that I come up with my ideas is by jamming. Oh, so okay. I would run, a, I would create a rhythm loop that I like and then just start jamming uh, with a bass, you know, just uh, three or four notes with my left hand or my right hand on a synthesizer. but the whole time I'll be recording the MIDI. So if when I now, I think Ableton is the DAW that I use now, but um, I used to use Pro Tools, but Ableton seems to support my process better because of uh, one of the things that it does, it uses uh, cells. So you record within the cells instead of on a arrangement uh, view like most of us are used to using if you're not familiar with Ableton. So no, not. So I'll jam until I get something that I like, but then I'll record the MIDI and I can put what's called an external instrument on a MIDI track, on that MIDI track, and then I can play any one of my synthesizers with that. So I could have five or six tracks running playing a different synthesizer after I jam with it with that synthesizer or a different synthesizer i can choose you know whatever synthesizer i want and and most of the time what i'll do is i'll use a uh, matriarch which is right in front of me and i'll use that to print the midi and then i'll choose a different synthesizer with an instrument that i like for instance uh the typhon dreadbox has really nice basses in it and for plucks any synthesizer will do but the yamaha moxf um has good basses as well uh bass instruments so 
Uh, I'll either use my Typhon, my Sub 37, or a Yamaha to play the bass. And then I'll just uh, flip through, you know, presets that I'll change later. And I usually change the ADSR mostly. And the reason why I do that is because you can't automate the filters or the ADSR on most synthesizers from the DAW or DAW. So I like to have my hands free to print the audio and manipulate those parameters myself in real time. Oh. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You mentioned that you you might you might record on guitar and then uh, later record the audio as MIDI. And I'm wondering, what are you using for audio to MIDI conversion? It's in Ableton. You can print MIDI from an audio track just by pressing record on the MIDI track and using the audio track as the source. And it doesn't always work right, but you can still find happy accidents that way. So a lot of times I'll go ahead and print from the audio track to the MIDI track, which will print MIDI notes. And if it's, if it's not right, then I'll just rearrange it on the MIDI track to have something that I do like that will work. But there's nothing wrong with a 32nd note or even a 16th note off the grid. Well, so, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. It's it's fun. And, and you know, when, if you go from the guitar to a key instrument, um, no one else is doing, that, you know. So you might have something. I mean, this is in my, this is my thought process. One might have something that no one else has or can't can't do on the keys. But if you print from an audio track guitar, you you might have something that no one else has, you know? Yeah. Huh. That's wild. I love that. Sounds and very so, innovative. I love how you describe your genre, if you will. And I, I, I guess this is out of uh, necessity uh, for the platforms that you uh, distribute your music on, but progressive, minimal, melodic techno. <laughs> yes. I mean... <laughs> That that so deserves maybe its own discussion, but yeah, can you tell us? About that? Yes, well, only because of the influences for one thing. But as you know, most main genres and and even the the major sub genres uh, have gatekeepers and purists. And you know, I don't have anything against that because it it's a good thing really to have gatekeepers more or less agree now now some people have a little bit of information and think they know everything about it for any subject right but you know for something like techno for instance um it it is a set in stone thing really so i can't really just call it techno even though i put it on the soundcloud website because they don't have my genre on there but um, that's as close as I can get. So I'll put minimal techno or techno. And no one really has called me out on it, but Dead Mouse, for <laughs> instance, Boris Brescia, uh, and Clue, you know, they were calling their music, well, maybe not Dead Mouse, but Boris and Anne, uh, they were calling their music techno and they had to duck, you know, because all these people, <laughs> it's not techno. So, just to cover my butt, you know, I, I call it that so I don't get a lot of, um, of uh, 
you know, negative comments coming my way. I'm so naive. Right. I never even, I can't even picture techno purists coming out of the woodwork. I think, I think we should let, <laughs> we should let the music speak for itself. Explain that genre title. I agree. And play something here. What do you think? That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so your tracks are kind of long. I'm thinking I'd like to just play one full through and just do one tune. Okay. If that'd be cool. And and I really like this uh, Do Sex Machina. So if that would be cool, I'd like to play that tune. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's great. Okay. So here we go.
right on. <laughs> I was laughing so, because uh, for some reason, the beat would speed up and slow down and then speed up. And I don't know if it's on my end or what, but yeah, I was cracking up every time I would hear that. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that too. I I was just playing. I was playing it from your SoundCloud there. In that case, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a streaming thing. I love yeah. that piece because it's like you can either work out to it or take a nap to it, right. and it works both ways. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I say you know whatever you want to do with it, but you know. Um, it's primarily for workouts because that's where I got the idea to make that type of music in the first place. But people can do whatever they want to, you know, while listening. <laughs> right. It's so cool. So that song, um, it, it only has like four elements to it. But uh, that that is an example of me printing the MIDI and then manipulating the the filters and everything in real time as it's being recorded. And I usually I'll, I'll open up a filter like on a buildup and the buildup of course is right before the main drop, the da -na 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 -na, before that. And that's when I open up the filters and then everything is, you know, to the wall at that point, but it's only a piano. I had the, uh, the Moog, uh, sub 37 just playing one sine wave for the um the the creamy filter that you hear in the background panning from side to side and uh the plucked gated is actually the yamaha wasn't even a synthesizer and uh everything in between was the matriarch so you do what you call and i think it's is normally called like top-down mixing. Correct. Which is your uh, process for your post-production. So after you've done all your tracking and, uh, and arranged all your MIDI and everything like that. So at that point, can you tell us about that approach to, uh, to mixing your tracks? Uh, yes. Um, let's see. I got the idea from Recording Revolution. Oh, yeah. And uh, he got it from his butt, his teacher, and uh, Mix Coach is his, is his online persona. And um, gosh, what is his name? Why, why don't I remember his name? But he's in Nashville right now. He moved from California, Kevin. Um, Kevin is his first name. But it, it was his idea first. and. Uh, so I started doing it about 11 years ago. And what I do is I'll, I'll have my um, mix bus or my master chain already on my master. And I'll have two EQs, two or three compressors to taste, and then some enhancements. And then I'll uh, usually have a tape emulation. And Kevin Ward, that's his name. I'll have tape emulation after that, and then I'll have uh, my limiter. And temporarily, I'll have my um, my uh, sonar works at the end. And I'll also have a utility so I can switch to mono and listen to for anything that's out of phase. But I only have I only have initialized the uh, EQs 
and I'll have the limiter about halfway up to what it's going to be at the end. But and and you understand that, sure. And I'll just have the compressors just slightly touching the the peaks at while I'm uh, recording and creating and arranging. So I I don't dial any of that in until the end, but I will have them engaged a little bit um, while I'm recording and creating and arranging. So how do you envision that? Do you envision that more for color or more for uh, just kind of dynamics uh, control? Mostly leveling first. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I want to cut out at least to 30 hertz uh, while I'm doing it because I don't want all the sub uh, going on and muddiness. Uh, I'll also notch out somewhere between uh, 150 hertz and 250 hertz. I'll have a little valley mm -hmm. there just mm -hmm. to clean up some of the muddiness while it's going on. So I'll, I know what's going on below that because that's where most of our energy comes from. And I, I don't want it to distract me from everything else. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you're just pulling that stuff out of the way, um, somewhat temporary, so you can balance and and mix based on what's you're hearing left over without having that sub bass in the way. Correct. And then bringing that back in, you know, near the end of the process. Correct. And anytime I open up a new project, it's my default chain. But you know, I. I always use the same EQs and limiters, but I'll change the compressors and the enhancements, um, like shelving, for instance, and even the tape emulation. I'll change that out probably uh, before I'm done or keep keep the same ones. It's according to how the music sounds to me or how uh, the compressors sound to me. Yeah, that's a cool way to do it. I'm kind of yeah, curious just, now. Um, are you using mostly stock plugins? Because I don't know Ableton at all. Or do you have favorites? I have favorites. Uh, FabFilter is uh, mm -hmm. what I really love uh, for EQs. Um, I think Slate Digital has a new one out that I tried to use, but it's so much like FabFilter that I just go ahead and keep the FabFilter on there. Yeah. yeah but I, I, I do it. use Slate Digital compressors. And um, they're very, very good. Yeah. And uh, I do still always use the fab filter limiter, mostly probably because I'm used to it and uh, I've used it more than any other limiter. I tried uh, Isotope for a long time, but after listening to some of my mixes and masters after using it, it just had this crunchy high end that I didn't like. Interesting. Yeah. So when I started using the FabFilter one, I never heard that. So I just keep keep using that one. I'm curious with your with your top down approach and having limiters in place and all this stuff, and then dialing that in. Do you process it secondarily uh, to master it, or are you done when it's done? Well, that I'm glad you asked that because. Um, We've talked about this before, I think, um, about the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain, the creative side and the technical side. And if you go to the technical side, your brain wants to stay there because it's 
not random access mode, it's read-only memory now. And it doesn't want to go back to the creative side and it'll use all the tricks that it knows to keep you on the technical side. So unless you're aware of this, and I don't, you know, I, I don't have any scientific evidence to prove this, but it's, it's a theory, but it seems to be true. So if you're aware of this, you're least susceptible to it. If you don't know it, you might go and get a snack or you might go play with your dog or <laughs> because your brain wants to stay there. Yeah, yeah. no, I totally agree. So it's like psychoacoustics, you know? <laughs> so that if the technical side is already there and you don't have to mess with it and you know that until you're done, you can stay on the creative side. And then, and then most of the technical side is already being taken care of. So all you have to do at the end is dial it in and I can print the stereo um, file after about 10 or 20 minutes of uh, fooling with it. And I don't have a set way to do it except uh, getting it in the neighborhood. Every time it's completely different. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, we got like a, about a minute left and want to make sure our listeners know where to find you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm mostly at my house every day. So they just <laughs> so just a uh, Madbolt Scotsman uh, on SoundCloud and uh, I'm Madbolt Scotsman on Twitter as well and uh, you know I'm you know I'm a nice guy I'm not stuffy or anything like that and I'm a human just like everybody else is the same basic yeah. needs and wants I've definitely in you know what we've been hanging out in Twitter for a couple of years now yeah and, uh, yeah for sure. Yeah, you're like a friend, you know? Yep. Yeah, we can yeah, hang great out. Great to have you on the show. Come on by. Uh, we'll barbecue and have a couple beers. <laughs> Something like Sounds that. Sounds good. Sounds good. Put your work. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, Listeners, thank you. enjoy your week. And uh, make sure and like and subscribe wherever you can. Give us a review. And Rick, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure yeah, and an honor. You. Thank you so much. Thanks. We'll see you on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Cheers. All right. Cheers, cheers everybody. Good night. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>